So inflation does have a strong cyclical element to it. So it's often either ramping up or ramping down. Uh, it doesn't tend to stay in a tight range, just kind of moving sideways for too long. You're listening to IBKR Podcasts. Find more conversations at ibkrpodcasts.com. Please remember any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures at the end of today's episode. Now, welcome to our show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to IBKR Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Praisman, and it's my pleasure to welcome back to the IBKR Podcast studio, Michael Dormile, NASDAQ's U.S. economist. Welcome, Michael. How are you doing? Doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me back. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you in the studio. Uh, today, we're going to discuss the cooling inflation uh, that we're seeing right now. So I'd kind of like to start off with where is core inflation now compared to where it was in the first half of the year? Sure. So, you know, I'm going to focus on CPI data here since we have one more month of CPI than we do for PCE data. Um, so core CPI inflation is down to 4% year over year as of October. Uh, in the first half of the year, it was mostly hovering around 5.5% in year over year terms. And it only really started to fall uh, by June. It was kind of flat, a lot of the, you know, more or less flat for much of the, the first half. Uh, but we've really seen a broad-based decline since then. And there's kind of three big buckets of core inflation. That's housing, core services, excluding housing, and then core goods. And so we've seen housing inflation slow from over 7% year over year to 6.7%. And shelter has a big weight. Uh, it's about a third of uh, overall inflation, uh, not core inflation, but overall. And the rest of core services has slowed from over 5% to below 4%. And that's mostly wage driven. And then of course, core goods inflation has fallen from about 2% to 0%. We're talking about CPI data, but food and energy aren't included in the CPI, correct? Well, right. So they're they're not included in the core CPI. Uh, headline CPI, of course, does include food and energy, but since they're you know more volatile, they can um, move a lot. And since they've got a, a pretty big weight, they're about 20% combined of overall CPI. So, since the you know the Fed looks at core, they they look at that because since it excludes those more volatile components, it gives you a better idea of where inflation is kind of headed. Um, but so. Of course, you know, our lived experience, right? Everyone, you still have to pay for energy, you still have to buy food. Uh, but of course, core CPI excludes it, but that's more just for uh, signaling where inflation is, is headed. It gives a, a clearer message. Uh, but so so food inflation has been slowing. Uh, it's gone from over 10% year over year uh, growth for much of uh, last year to just 3% now, 3.3%. That's been driven by both sides of food inflation. So food, you can kind of split it into food at home, which is groceries, and food away from home, which is restaurants. And so a big driver of the slowing um, in food inflation has been wage growth, uh, because wage growth, it's even a big component of grocery store prices, not just restaurant prices. And then what we've seen with energy is even more extreme. So energy inflation was as high as 42% year over year last year. Uh, but for the last eight months, energy has seen negative year over year growth. And of course, a lot of that has to do with base effects where we're comparing recent months to a year ago when energy prices were much higher because of the war in Ukraine having started relatively recently uh, a year earlier. And that resulted in concerns about energy supply pushing up energy prices really quickly. But over the last year plus energy prices, excuse me, energy supply lines, they've been redrawn and we've seen some cooling in demand too. So both of which have helped bring down energy prices quite quite quickly. 
And historically, you know, once inflation starts slowing down, does it tend to stay that way for a while? Or, or do you think this is just maybe a slight pause and we could just see rising prices again within the next few months, maybe once we get past the holiday cycle? So inflation does have a strong cyclical element to it. So it's often either ramping up or ramping down. Uh, it doesn't tend to stay in a tight range, just kind of moving sideways for too long. Um, but we're already pretty far into this cycle. and In Inflation has been slowing since June of last year. That's when the, the peak was. So it's been 16 months of slowing at this point uh, in this cycle. Still, I think there is more to go because if you look at market-based measures of rents and home prices, those tend to lead shelter inflation. And those market-based measures have been at a downturn for a year and a half already. So we've still got that kind of market-based um, shelter disinflation in the pipeline. Um, and since shelter is a third of the weight of CPI, we could easily see inflation slowing well into next year. And how have the stock and bond markets been reacting to the slowdown over the past, um, let's just say, recent couple months or so? Well, yeah, it really depends on the month because uh, every inflation print has been seen through the lens of what it means for the Fed. And so if the print has been higher than expected, that means the Fed's going to hike more, so markets sell off. If the print is lower than expected, then we see the opposite. And so this latest print for CPI was below expectations. So we saw stocks jump. I think the NASDAQ 100 was up about 2% that day, uh, and bond yields dropped. Uh, and so if you look at inflation cycles historically, um, there's always some noise, though, during upswings and downswings. It's never you know, a straight line up or straight line down. So it's entirely possible that, that we see another upward surprise in inflation in the next few months, even if it t turns out to be more noise than signal. So you know, markets have been really, really focused on each individual month instead of kind of the trend in a lot of ways. Um, but I think you, know, you just need to be prepared that, that it can be noise more than signal sometimes. Do you think the Fed will continue to raise rates, or do you think they'll, you know, lower them, or just sort of keep them, you know, steady as they are right now, you know, within the next cycle or two, just kind of short term, I guess. Yeah, I think for months now, there's been so many signs that inflation is coming down, and so many of those signs that it should should have been just hard for the Fed to justify hiking rates. And thankfully, they have mostly held off. Uh, so in the last six months, we've just had one 25 basis point rate hike back in July. So I think there are not any more rate hikes coming, um, but we might still be a ways away from cuts. The Fed's been clear about keeping rates, wanting to keep rates higher for longer and thinking that that's necessary. Uh, so that's why we might not see the first hike until around the middle of next year, or I'm sorry, first cut until the middle of next year. Uh, so, you know, that would mean that they've kept rates at the the peak of uh, you know the five and a quarter to five and a half uh, percent range for roughly a year which you know maybe would be enough for them to say hey we did hire for longer so now we can start cutting rates are there you know are there risks to lowering the rates you know once once if if and when they start to lower them is it possible to go too quickly or too far the wrong way you know we end up in a recession or even a depression from that is that some of the effects that could happen i think the the risks are going to be pretty minor for one i think the fed will be pretty deliberate in cutting rates. So it's going to be a slow process, barring recession, in which case, you know, they would have to cut rates pretty quickly. Uh, and and uh, the, the issue with monetary policy having uh, long and variable lags, that cuts both ways. So cutting rates will have uh, an immediate impact on market sentiment, but the transmission to much of the real economy will be slow. Uh, and going too far too quickly in terms of cuts, I really think the risk there would be more overstimulating the economy and seeing inflation come back 
kind of fast and furious, but really not a, a risk of recession or depression. You talked about wage, um, I guess, wage growth in the beginning of this podcast. And sort of on a, on a different line of that, though, does, does a cooling economy have any effect on unemployment rates? Yeah, there's definitely a delicate balance that the, the Fed has to strike with with slowing down the economy because the real risk is that we see kind of negative feedback loops, which can tip the economy into recession. So if the economy slows, then consumers might start to get worried about their job security. So then they decide to spend less and then that reduces business revenues. And so then businesses have to cut costs via layoffs. And so that reduces spending further and, and so on and so forth. So you can have these kind of vicious cycles um, develop. But I think it's important to recognize, too, that the economy, it's often picking up or slowing down, and, and those slowdowns don't often end in recession. Well, Michael, this has been great. You know, before we sign off, is there any final thoughts you want to leave our listeners with regarding, you know, the economy, either the cooling of the economy or just the economy in general? Well, I think one last point on inflation is just to, I know it's been a long process. Uh, but I think we've made a lot of progress on on bringing inflation down. So I mean, I say we like I've done anything, but you know, the Fed and, and the economy in general. Uh, but uh, so you know, in June of last year, we had inflation at 9%. Now it's 3%. Uh, and of course, you know, going forward, progress getting back down to that 2% targets probably going to be a bit slower. But you know, with wage growth slowing while still relatively high, and more shelter disinflation in the pipeline, I'm pretty confident that we can get close to that 2% target probably faster than the, the Fed thinks. Well, Michael, once again, I want to thank you for uh, coming by and joining us at the IPKR podcast studio. For more from Michael and NASDAQ, please go to our website under education to view previous NASDAQ webinars as well as our previous podcast with Michael. Thank you again for listening. Until next time, I'm Jeff Praisman with Interactive Brokers. Thanks for listening to IBKR Podcasts. As always, we have more episodes at ibkrpodcasts.com. And if you're interested in learning more about interactive brokers, visit ibkr.com. We offer more trading education material, such as webinars at ibkrwebinars.com, financial and economic commentary at tradersinsight.news, market-related courses at tradersacademy.online, and quant-related articles at ibkrquant.com. The analysis in this material is provided for information only and is not and should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security. To the extent that this material discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic or political conditions, it should not be construed as research or investment advice. To the extent that it includes references to specific securities, commodities, currencies, or other instruments, those references do not constitute a recommendation by IBKR to buy, sell, or hold such investments. The material does not and is not intended to take into account the particular financial conditions, investment objectives, or requirements of individual customers. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and is necessary, seek professional advice.